Please silence your cell phones <laughs> and your beepers. Your beepers. Your pagers. Please silence all electrical devices. No flash photography. <laughs> I look at my phone for two seconds and mom turns into <laughs> a museum guide. <laughs> We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational mm-hmm. and, and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hello, Mom. Hi, Anna. I'm feeling a little nasally today. <laughs> oh, can you tell? No, I don't. You don't sound nasally. It's to my me. seasonal allergies. Yes, the a weather sh- is changing and then changing back and then changing and then changing <sighs> back. So our noses don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it was raining like crazy today. It was very rainy, and I today. had a lot to do outside, <laughs> and I didn't get any of it done. <laughs> so very sorry. frustrated. I'm so sorry. Sipsters, do you ever have those kind of days? When you have a plan, a list of things to do, and then Mother Nature steps in and says, too bad. (laughs) (laughs) You get to lay on the couch and watch Netflix instead. (laughs) Oh, see, for me, it's not Mother Nature. It's just my own brain. (laughs) I'm going to lay on the couch and watch Netflix instead of doing anything I need to do. That's why it's been a month since our last episode. (laughs) You don't have to say that. I do have to say it. I feel like there's an elephant in the room. Whenever we skip a week. I mean, I, I don't think anyone blames us for it. I just feel like we ought to say, you know, we didn't forget you guys. We're back. We just, things are happening so fast all the time. We just keep saying that, though. So we either have to just say, we're doing it when we can do it, dudes. It's kind of what's happening. <laughs> I don't think we need to say it. This is just what's going on. <laughs> but it's very good to be back with you, sipsters. Yeah, it's fun. It, it's I miss it when we don't do it. I do too. We've talked about how it's part of our own self care. Yeah, but we've been so I don't even know what to say. I don't even have time for self care right now. I know it's like self care. What <laughs> the hell is that? Okay. Oh, self care is that going to help fight against the pandemic that's still happening? That's been happening for two years. Is that is self care? Is a face mask going to help? I actually saw something somewhere about shaming teachers and healthcare providers and people like that, and by saying, "Well, they just need to take more self care or have more self care or something," and they're like, "What?" We talked about this in our like the mental health phrases that we don't like, mm. but anything that has just in it. Mm-hmm. You just need to take more self-care. Like, right. n- no. I mean, sure, taking more self-care is good, but that is a small piece well, of a very large just puzzle. It's not going to fix it all. No. All right. So, pre-roll. Pre-roll? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, there's a couple <laughs> pre-roll things. And I mean, really, yeah. First of all, <laughs> it's Spooktober. I'm so excited <laughs> that... <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't drop your head on your microphone. I was so excited that our theme tonight actually fits into Spooktober, and we didn't even really plan that because we wanted to do it. Yes, oh, we did. Sh- oh, we totally oh. planned everything. Everything's planned. Oh. Everything is planned, and we, we know exactly what we're doing all the time. Sipsters, I want you to understand how well That's this is true. plotted out. It's just the luck of the draw, baby. No. But it's Spooktober. It's the second week of October when this is going to release. Mm-hmm. And you really like Spooktober. I am a fan of Spooktober. In fact, before we started recording the episode proper, we were just talking about a very spooky show we've both been watching. Yes. We've been watching that Midnight Mass show. On I Netflix. personally would not recommend it. It's very spooky. There's a lot of spooky Catholicism themes. Yeah. I'm pretty offended by some of the themes. To- it's but a little I, dark. I, it's very dark. And I mean, then I, I did this self-talk like, you know, it's fantasy. It's mm-hmm. it's. Um, There's something to be said for like, okay, it's a fiction. We can give it a pass because it's right, a fiction. Right. But it can still but get it, you. It, it gets very specifically attacks, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of really significant core beliefs of the Catholic Church. And so as a Catholic Christian watching it, I was several times thought, I shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> I, but you This did. is bad. I know. And then I felt really crappy about it. <laughs> I that's did, that's what we do worse. as Catholics. We do a thing and then we feel guilty about it, but we do it anyway. Uh, but it is a spooky show. There's a lot of spooky shows spooky. right now on Netflix, available mm-hmm. on Netflix because... Because it's Spooktober, they tend to mm-hmm. pump up their spooky selection. So we'll need to be very determined to do at least two episodes during Spooktober. We're going we'll have to, to definitely do, one, do that. And we'll do one more that we'll have to think of something really we're, spooky. Ooh, we're going to really, put ooh. some really spooky stories in our big cauldron and we're going to stir it up and we're going to stir up a big old potion a good episode. <laughs> I sure wish you could have seen Anna stirring her cold. My my wish is cold. <laughs> so what is it? Okay, <laughs> all right. Double double toil and trouble. That's us. We are toil and trouble, you and I. That's for sure. Okay, but that's not the only pre roll we have. We have one review. Woo! Uh huh. And we also got a, a nice little message that I would like to chat about just real quick. One of our sipsters talked about something interesting. So first, the review. The review is from Flora808 on Podchaser. She gives us five stars. Aww. And she says, as an aspiring psychologist, this podcast is the best way to ease myself into some complex topics and ideas, which are explained thoroughly by Bonnie and Anna, and always with a touch of silliness. <laughs> A touch. A touch. Just, just a touch. A, just, just a, a ooh, Just a, just a, like a song mm, of silliness. <laughs> she says, it's I It's weird how we both got so into that moment. <laughs> it touched us it with was, silliness. Silly is a trigger word for us. <laughs> it silly touched us. <laughs> I hope you can keep educating slash entertaining me for a long time. Smiley face. Aww. And uh, she actually reached out to us on email and we sent her a <gasps> sticker. Yay. Which I had to buy a special stamp for because she is an over overseas listener she is from england oh how cool so yes it always excites us greatly when there's someone yes. from outside of our country yep. it makes us feel like we've made it outside of our town <laughs> out of our five block radius outside of the people we know in our town Honestly, and our relatives whenever we get an email from someone i'm like i don't know them whoa it's like really is, are you moment. mom are you related to this person did my no? mom pay oh my you gosh. to be our fan <laughs> 
Yes. So thank you for sending that. Flora, thank you so much. That was very sweet. And I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's pretty long and there's some personal stuff in it, but I do want to touch on it. Um, Kate messaged us on Instagram and she talked about a little bit how she went through some trauma as a young kid and then developed selective mutism because of it. And it was really interesting. She was talking about, so we did an episode, um, an anxiety episode where we talked about selective mutism, Mm -hmm. which I think is 13. It's called blood anxiety content. It's episode 13. And she was talking about how she would only talk when things were safe. Mm. So she would talk at home. And so her mom didn't know what was going on. And so then how she went to um, school, they kind of just looked at it as defiance, which is something that we've touched on on several of our episodes, like our ADHD episode, where we talked about how kids, especially, that are going a behavioral mental illness can mm-hmm. can really be thrown to the side of the system if it's seen as like defiance or something. So right. we talked about that a little bit and she touched on it and how just finding a teacher who understood what was going on and who was trauma-informed was able to really help her and pull her out of it. Wow. She talked about how like being safe helped her talk and how that was so important in a caregiver. So just wanted to shout out to Kate. Thank you so much for sending us that message. For and sharing your sharing your story with us. Absolutely. That's very, very good of you. It's so cool when we have an episode that is able to connect with people and they're like, mm-hmm. I love when our sisters reach out and it's like, this is what my experience with this has been. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so cool. So thank you for doing that, Kate. It's always cool when people like Kate share some of their own history some of their own stuff because it, it helps us to not feel so alone in our yeah. stuff so universality is a huge it, thing it we takes learn. right it takes courage to share your stories sometimes right. basically all the time it takes right. courage to share your story absolutely but there's a lot of catharsis in opening up and yeah so that's awesome and thank god for good teachers who Amen. who rule the world <laughs> <laughs> Now where I thought that sentence they don't, going. They don't get paid That's like okay. they rule the world, but boy, <laughs> they do a lot. They they wear a lot of hats. They do. That particular teacher was wearing a therapy hat, apparently. So <laughs> Speaking of therapy hats, let's put on our therapy hats, you and me, over oh, our we're headphones. on <laughs> our hats. We're doing it right now. And we are going to talk about our first Spooktober episode. So, Mom, what are we talking Ooh. about today? Well, we're talking about oh, a type. Should we talk about our wine? First, I think we actually? should. We have because we haven't had a themed drink for a while. Have I but told you what it's called? No, I'm waiting. Oh I'm my like, gosh. I'm, I'm, oh, she's I'm drinking needles. it. She's been drinking it. Yeah, I hope sorry. it's not like somebody's blood or it's, something. It's or spook- my blood. I shed my blood, and we're <laughs> drinking it now. That's why it you goes, didn't like it very much yeah, in your first drink. It tasted really gross. <laughs> Well, it's a it's a dark red. It's a dry, very dry. red, very dry. It's a I feel very sophisticated drinking it. But when I tell you what it's called, you're going to understand why we're drinking it. Why it's, it fits the type of wine it is is gnarly head wine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell the people why that's uh, relevant to today's episode? Uh, it's very relevant because <laughs> today we're going to talk about lobotomies. Lobotomies, baby. Uh, lobotomies. Otherwise known as leucotomies, not lobectomies. That's when you take out a lobe from one of your organs. So like a lobe of your, your lung. Yeah, your lung or your lobectomy. liver. Lobectomy. Yes, this it's is not psychosurgery. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I guess a little bit and of a squick warning here. It's kind of gross. It's gross. Yeah, gross. yeah. <laughs> this is just. We're going to talk about a bit of gross stuff. 
We don't yeah. get mostly super Anna because Anna likes to talk about gross stuff. I'm gonna like stay on the edges of it and just let her do the gross stuff. Oh, she just lets me say gross stuff so she can go ew while I talk about it. That's exactly right. But also, we were just talking about shows that we've been watching on Netflix and stuff, mm. and I kind of feel like partially this was inspired. This was very much inspired by me watching uh, the Netflix show, which nobody make fun of me about how late I am to all these Netflix shows. Ratchet, mm. the the one about the nurse. Ratchet like is nurse from, Ratchet. Yeah, one yeah. flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh-huh. But it's a it's a very uh, stylized. The costumes past. are, are um, like it, oh, it's gorgeous. The colors, yeah, the, the beautiful, yeah, the cinematography, cinematography, cinematographies <laughs> is wonderful. There's just something very cool about yeah how it looks, mm-hmm. but. It's a very bizarre show. It's very... I only uh, watched a few The episodes. director is Ryan Murphy. It's very American Horror Story. So if oh. you've seen any of that and you enjoy any of that, you will probably enjoy Ratchet. Yeah. But there's a lot of a lot of brain stuff because it yeah. takes place in a mental asylum. So it's and a lot of horrible stuff that gross they do brain to the stuff. Yeah, to the it clients, gets pretty gross. The patients, yeah, blah, blah, and blah. mean and awful and. So that was part of it. And then I and then another cool link though is that not too long ago we talked about Phineas. Phineas Gage, the boy with the pole in his head. Mm-hmm. Was that just two episodes ago? Oh, it was real close. What uh, what are we on now? This is 90? 92. I think that was 90, wasn't it? Or um, maybe 90. It wasn't the very last one we did. It was 90, you are correct, Phineas Gage. Okay. And so the, and you'll you'll see Sipsters the tie that this has to that too because we will just it'll just all be tied up. <laughs> Everything like will a, fall into place. It will just be like if a If you've puzzle. never heard the word lobotomy before and you're like, I don't know what that is. Why would lobotomy? it have Is that a dance? Do? Is that it, like the cha cha? <laughs> do the lobotomy. <laughs> Do the lobotomy. Come on, baby. Do, do the, the lobotomy. lobotomy with me. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. If don't anybody, do the lobotomy. If anybody invites you to do a lobotomy, <laughs> just say no. Just there is no. a very good uh, podcast called Sawbones that Justin McElroy does with his wife, Sydney, who is a doctor. And they Uh-oh. talk about terrible medical procedures and beliefs of the past. And this would be one of them. And, well, yes, they did an episode of that early on, I think. So one of the things they say at the end of every episode is don't drill a hole in your head. <laughs> so that will become relevant sooner rather than later in this episode. So I think what I would like to do in is jump in first and talk just about kind of the history of psychosurgery that's a great generally idea. and then i don't know however you decide to do it. if you want to like jump in and stop me at some point and say hey i want to tell you about that one or i'll just kind of like <laughs> hey let me expand yeah, on that say hold it mom let me expand wait, your brain by wait, drilling into your head <laughs> so basically the first psychosurgery procedure that we can talk about that we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about a psychiatrist by the name of dr gottlieb burkhart i'm glad you found this because they try to hide this in their histories really all the histories are like oh yes don't talk about gottlieb um he lived from 1836 to 1907 so a long time ago uh in switzerland in 1888 he removed an area of the cerebral cortex that he believed was responsible for his patient's abnormal behavior i kind of want to stick this in at the very front 
remember that we've talked (laughs) just like a lobotomy (laughs) like in a frontal lobe Uh, uh, uh. no we've talked about phrenology on a couple of different episodes yes and so to kind of put this into perspective keep in mind that around this time that we're talking about when all of this cutting parts of the brain out started was around the time they were still in the phrenology thought so it's like you know this chunk of as anna puts it her meat sack Whatever. Tiny meat sacks and tiny meat. larger meat sack. If yes. you want to hear more about phrenology, listen to episode 27. But if you're grossed out by meat sacks, yeah, don't if, listen if to it. If just the mere phrase meat sack, sacks of meat. <laughs> it makes me want to hurl. Puts you off. Do <laughs> not I, listen. And by I, any means, do not listen to 27. <laughs> but I, I was there when we recorded it, and I, <laughs> I'm still traumatized by it. Okay. So um, Burkhart removed that area of the cerebral cortex. Then later, he also performed several removing of parts of the brain (laughs) in the temporal and the parietal lobes. And he reported that there was a considerable difference in the behavior of his patients after that time. You take a part of the brain out. They act different. Goodness gracious. And that's what, like, (laughs) the, the thing that I saw about Burkhart said that it put them into a state of calm. Uh, yeah. A your, vegetable your calm. Brain, your <laughs> brain isn't working. Yeah. You are a vegetable and you're very calm. <laughs> but at that point in time, so that was around 1888 when he started doing that, and his colleagues didn't like it. Gosh. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> hey, I don't well, like when you weird. cut people's brains apart. <laughs> um, and so he basically stopped. He gave up because of the negative response that he got, which is kind of unusual in these stories. I was going to say, usually they double down, right? Yeah, yeah. But he was like, oh, <laughs> like, I, All right. I upset someone Fair enough. I, and I can't cut their brain yeah. apart, so I guess I'll quit. Props to, to Gottlieb Burkhart for listening to people for saying, saying, maybe it's not a great idea <laughs> to cut into people's brains. He was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Step away from the brain. And he did. <laughs> And so not very long after that, we're going to skip ahead to 1935, um, when there was something held that was called the Second International Neurological Congress. I would pause and say that that's a 50-year gap. That actually is kind of kind of a big jump. It is, isn't it? Like there's there's nothing, like I said, like even Gottlieb Burkhart isn't listed on a lot of the like timelines that I saw. And then there's nothing before that. Right. Because like 35 is listed as like the first the neurosurgery or whatever. Right. Yeah. So that's a big... <laughs> So he, no one in the middle of that going, hey, what I if guess, we do something with the holes in the Yeah, mind? what happened to the... I mean, they must have really got upset about him. Like, they and must scared everybody. Everybody's like, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the first rule of <laughs> trepanation club is we don't talk about... Well, that's the other thing, that they were doing trepanation, which is literally like drilling holes in the head to release spirits, right. which we used to be a, a medical practice back in the day. When we thought that spirits that were trapped in your head were were the cause of things Needed that to, were happening, yeah. mm-hmm. so so like that was going on then too. So I'm very surprised that there's this chunk of time. But that's a good question because this is in 1935 is the second international neurological. I wonder what the first one was. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Shh. No 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 no. It was just like shh. Don't anybody talk about or maybe cutting it was, brains. Maybe it's just boring. <laughs> there was nothing going on in the first one. They all just sat around and said, what are we going to do in this club? <laughs> what do we talk about? Maybe they just like made up their handshake. Everyone, and yeah. Stuff and that and, one. Or everyone was like super shy and no one oh, really talked to each other. All the all the little nerdy neuroscientists yeah. were like not wanting to talk to each other. They probably are pretty introverted, those neuroscientists. 
Okay. So, in so 19, what happened in the second one? 1935. There were some really important people at this um, session where they were talking about psychosurgery. One of them was an American psychologist by the name of Dr. John Fulton. Uh, he lived from 1899 to 1960. He had done an experiment with two chimpanzees, which here we go, picking on the little monkeys again. <laughs> Leave um, the monkeys alone. Um, in which two chimpanzees had bilateral resectionings of their prefrontal cortex. And um, so many words, yeah, so many syllables. Basically means he cut their brains. He apart. cut their brains up. Yeah, chippity chop. Um, and he <laughs> chippity. <laughs> The way they put it is these were pioneering experiments in the field of psychosurgery because the animals became, quote, devoid of emotional expression. Great. Sounds like a great outcome, guys. Yeah. Um, They were no longer capable of arousal of frustration. So they wouldn't get frustrated. That's why they did it is because they... The monkeys the were monkeys, frustrated. The mon- yeah, the monkeys that they chose to do the procedure on were the ones that when they did like a puzzle, they got frustrated by doing the puzzle. So they were trying to take that reaction away, and they did. I wonder if they could do the puzzle afterwards. That's a really good question, if it was just the frustration Because I didn't read gone. the part about the puzzle. That's a very interesting oh, thing. Where is it? I don't know if I put it in my notes, and I don't know what source it was, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where it is. We're just going to say they probably couldn't do the puzzle. <laughs> but they didn't up. get frustrated that they couldn't do it. They just sat there because they had who, no emotional response. Who was the guy that did it? John Fulton. Uh-huh. Became noticeably less anxious after the ablation. Uh, I bet they did. Ablation just means a removal of a part of the brain. When she failed a test before the operation, she would get agitated. After the operation, she seemed as happy to fail as she was to succeed. <laughs> Me too, Lucy. Is Lucy the name of the chimp? Oh, be- no, Becky. That Becky was the oh, one Becky. that that was happening to. Lucy Becky. was another story. She became more angry and violent when she failed the tests after the operation than oh. she had been when she'd failed them before the operation. Oh, that's interesting. So, I didn't read that part. So they, they canceled each other out. <laughs> yeah, it might it might make it better. It might make it worse. We don't know. Which kind of is what lobotomy is. Is That's the overall arching result. Like It, it, it could, does something. It could, <laughs> it could make people calm and it could really just totally let's just see what happens guys let's see what happens when we chop into your brain (laughs) he ignored they are talking about the person that i assume you will talk about next he ignored the chimps inability to complete mental tasks and instead focused on the fact that becky had become more placid after the ablation Uh (laughs) uh-huh so ignore 50 percent of the evidence Uh Okay, so this particular Congress that we're talking about in 1935 was also historic because there were other people who were very important in the history of psychosurgery there. Among the participants were two Portuguese neuroscientists named, and I'll probably slaughter their names, I apologize, although I think they're resting in peace at this moment, Dr. Antonio Igas Manas. Is it Moniz, Moniz, I had I had Google say it for me, and she said it like Maniz, Maniz. It's all about the money, money, money. <laughs> but Manis, by the way, lived from 1874 to 1955. He was a professor of neurology at the University of Lisbon, and he was working with a neurosurgeon by the name of Dr. This one I'll really kill. <laughs> Almeida, and I'm assuming it's Lima, L-I-M-A. Pe- his first name is Pedro, so I assume it. Pedro Lima. Lima. He lived from 1903 to 1985, so, so he... I've noticed a lot of the scientists, this is a total side note, a lot of the scientists that we talk about have three names. 
What is that about? Does it just sound? Is it? Is it? Is there literally a thing to like to make it distinct from other scientists of the same name, or is it just like a? I that's want how my whole name on, to that's be. That's how it was on their diploma. <laughs> <laughs> so they. they how else would you know it's actually <laughs> me that wrote the paper? <laughs> and they have three completely bizarre names. <laughs> okay, so they work together in performing frontal lacotomies, lacotomies, which is different than a lobotomy. In that they are yes. A lacotomy severs the underlying white matter. We've talked about that damn white matter and gray matter. We don't understand it. We still don't understand it. it. But a leucotomy severs the underlying white matter. So it Um, cuts off the part of, it cuts things off from other things. Right. A lobotomy is sectioning the prefrontal cortex. So you section it off. The, the prefrontal cortex. So it doesn't and mess lo- with the white matter. Right. And leucotomy actually severs the underlying white matter. So it's a different, It's it has a lot of the same outcomes or uh-huh. whatever, but they're two different procedures. And okay. you'll see how that kind of evolves in just a second. So these two guys worked on leucotomies in the 30s, in the 1930s. In fact, um, Dr. Manez's efforts supported the work of John Fulton, the guy that we heard about um, with the chimpanzees the the monkeys yeah that the frontal lobe ablation would subdue the behavior so he was kind of confirming yep he's like this dude that like failed half of the thing that he was trying to do that's why i'm doing what i'm doing with human people yeah and And everyone's like sounds great sounds great antonio (laughs) do your thing also by the way at this congress and this is the last one we're going to talk about who came to this very important meeting was an american neurologist by the name of dr walter freeman he lived from 1895 to 1972 and you are going to really want to remember his name because he's a lulu he has got some stuff he had a huge imprint um on on psychosurgery through lobotomies specifically very mm-hmm. specifically the lobotomies. most lobotomy of the lobotomies this guy of, of course lobotomies. leave it to the american he- everything's bigger here <laughs> we did lobotomies real big okay so the thing that that i think though is very very interesting is as as we talk about how horrible lobotomies are basically in this episode yeah the thesis of this episode is this thing that these people did was not great right right <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't go the way they thought it was going to go so, but they thought it did right so despite the what we think about it now as they developed the surgery in the 1930s it says the following year, so 1935 was when they started. And the following year, Dr. Menez presented a series of 20 patients. And by 1949, he had then received the Nobel Prize. Oh, I didn't read that he got yes. the Nobel Prize. He got the Nobel Prize for his pioneer work on frontal leucotomy. Le- I don't know why I struggle so much with that word. It's frontal leucotomies. In which specifically, the white matter connections between the prefrontal cortex and the thalamus were sectioned to alleviate severe mental illness, including depression and schizophrenia in hospitalized patients. So as as we're talking about it being a horrible thing, yet these... People were saying... At the time, people not, were like, wow, this right, is revolutionary. Right. Yeah. And so so let's just take a step back for a minute and say a lot of times when we look back on what people did, not only in psychology, but in, in medicine and, and, and in actually in, in all kinds <laughs> of history. Yeah. We look at it and we're like, God, what were they thinking? Right. Why did they do that? That's horrible. 
And yet, we've talked about this before. They were doing the best they could at the time. <laughs> we we hit that pretty hard in like our Freud episode, just number yeah. one, where yes. we're like, listen, he was trying his best, <laughs> okay? His best with what he had. Because you guys, we have to remember that when all of this was starting up in the 30s, the medications that we have now to help people with mental illness, they, they, they didn't really exist until like at least until the 50s right. when we started to have some of those drugs those psychotropic drugs introduced into our our mm-hmm. mental health world that was listed as a huge reason for lobotomies picking up speed but also like the overcrowding of mental institutions exactly. was also just hugely influential in just coming up with these very radical things to help quote unquote help these people right because in the in the early 30s and into the 30s you know there were people didn't have first of all didn't have the availability to go to see a psychotherapist right but even then as we know now there's a lot of mental health issues that just psychotherapy is not enough you need to have medication you need to have other techniques and so in 1937 there's a report that says In 1937, the extent of the institutionalization of the mentally ill in the United States, there were more than, I can't believe this number, 450,000 patients in 477 asylums. Ah! Wait, wait, wait. just in the United States. Four, say the first number again. 450,000 patients in 477 asylums. So that's just a thousand patients per asylum. Stuffed into an asylum. Stuffed in there. That's horrible. Nearly half of them were hospitalized for at least five years. So once, you know, a lot of them, once they were in there, they died there. They were there. And it it not only was just a horrible, inhumane situation, but it was costing the government billions of dollars that they couldn't afford. Which is another reason why the the things that we talk about, especially like after lobotomies and stuff, where now we look at that and say, oh, no, that's not a good outcome for this procedure. At the time, if they were less trouble... And would cost less money. Right. That was a good outcome. So exactly. So if you think about that, if you had someone in your family who was so mentally ill that you could not like keep them in your home because they were violent or you were mm-hmm. afraid they're going to kill themselves or they're going to kill somebody else or, or, or just honestly an embarrassment, which is horrible, but work. true. Yeah. Nobody there to take care of them. So you put them into an asylum. And then all of a sudden came up with this option like, well, if we do a lobotomy, you can take them back home and they'll just sit there. Although I did read that a lot of the, especially first lobotomies, like the patients were not released afterwards. The patients stayed in the asylums afterwards. They just, I assume, the same deal. Yeah, Yeah. like cost less. Nurses didn't have to check on them as Mm -hmm. much. Less, you know, whatever medications they were using at the time. Just less manpower. Right. So this episode sucks. Hey, Sipsters. (laughs) Sorry. How is everyone doing? Are you doing okay? Do you need a joke? I don't have any jokes. Do you have a joke about lobotomies? I don't think so. Um, Um, Yeah, I do actually. Uh, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Have you heard that before ever? No, but say it again. (laughs) I'd rather have have a a bottle bottle in front front of me than than a frontal frontal lobotomy. lobotomy. Uh, Funny play on words about lobotomy. Okay, everyone's feeling better? Let's go back to the history. My mom used to, my mom and dad, mostly dad used to say, don't let your dauber get down. Dauber? Don't let your dauber get down. I just think of mud dauber, that type of wasp. Oh, I think it sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> don't let your dauber get down. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's medication for that too. <laughs> but the point is, when dad said it, it meant don't don't let this get you sad. Don't let your mama dauber get down. Mama used to say, don't let the turkeys get you down. Yes, she did. I like to say that. <laughs> 
helps me feel better. Don't let the turkeys get you down. <laughs> she understood what that meant. Okay, so um, we're going to kind of just scoot along. Just so that you know, that's that's where, that's why all this was happening. They were trying to figure out a very serious issue yes. of, of people who... It's one of those good intentions, bad ideas kind of situations. That's a great way to say it. That's a great way to say it. Okay, so moving right along to the last person that I want to talk about in history, and then I'm going to have Anna jump in and tell us all about the gory details. Is... <laughs> It's because she's spooked over it over there. <laughs> okay, we're we're just jumping just a little bit ahead to 1942. And here enters, I can, why did I not put his first name? What's Freeman's first name again? Uh, uh, <laughs> um, Walter. I just, Walter, Walter Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> you silly oh, guy. Oh, you son of a, you old you, so-and-so. You old. You. <laughs> Walter. Old driver of the Lobotomobile. <laughs> <laughs> he literally had a van, guys. This he is really true. Did. This he is had a Lobotomobile. That they called, they referred to it as the Lobotomobile. I am losing my mind. <laughs> that is not a real thing. I swear to God. They called it a recreational van. Oh, I bet they did. And he went on the road. Like, if you couldn't get to his clinic to have a lobotomy, he would jump in his lobotomobile and go and, like, just do, like, several a day. Like, and he did, guys, he did thousands of lobotomies. You saw, you found it, didn't you? <laughs> it's like an RV. I know. It's, it's like, it's, it's his <laughs> recreational vehicle. It's a brain surgery RV. That's exactly what it was. This, this kind of, this Anna will probably get I'm into this. I'm losing my, he did I'm a, losing a, my <laughs> cord about, I feel like I've just been lobotomized. <laughs> he did a, uh, unfortunately did a lot of lobotomies on children. Yeah. As young as 12 years old. Yeah. And if you think about that, if you think about, That's so you have a 13 or 14 year old who's acting out. This goes Every back to 13 what we or 14 year old oh acts like they need a lobotomy. Right. Every single one. Exactly. And so literally, you know, parents would come to him and say, you know, my kids are acting out. What should I do? And he'd say, come to my lobotomobile. <laughs> Let me crack we'll their heads open like an egg. Yeah. And we will take care of that for you. Oh. So he would frequently, we're going to talk about, Anna's going to talk about the actual procedure in a minute, but I will just kind of put this in about Freeman that he frequently did these lobotomies with just local anesthesia or a lot of times what he would do is he would give them uh, ECT, electric. Yeah, electroshock therapy. Shock, shock therapy. What is, what's ECT? Electroconvulsive therapy. Convulsive therapy. So he would, first he'd do that to him, which is bad enough. They, well, he especially said that for um, mental hospitals, mental asylums mm-hmm. that couldn't, I guess, c- I don't know why that's, the- yeah, couldn't afford the anesthesia. I don't know why that's more cost effective. Right. Does the electricity, they get a deal on the electricity? Why? You still have to do stuff to like. <laughs> that's so horrible. <laughs> but you would think like a, a shot of anesthesia, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know, Jack, about I just know squat. I'd want to be a, asleep if, that, if anybody no ever kidding. did that to me. Freeman performed, they estimate, over 4,000 lobotomies. One man. In the back of his van? In the van in his clinic. <laughs> van down by the river. <laughs> 
Oh, by the way, way, way much later, in 1971, Freeman published his long-term follow-up of 707 people who had schizophrenia that he had done lobotomies on. Okay, first of all, that number's insanely huge. 707 people who were diagnosed with schizophrenia four to 30 years after the lobotomy. So he, he had been doing lobotomies up until the late 60s, basically. Oh my God. But he reported that despite improvement in the majority... This is how he worded it. Despite improvement in the majority, 73% of them were still hospitalized or in a state of, quote, idle dependency. Ah, well, well, that's the thing. It's like you still have to devote resources to this person. You just don't have to check up on them as much. Um, So just the last note about that idea of frontal lobotomies were used widely in the United States for several years. An estimated 60,000 procedures were performed in the United States and in Europe between 1936 and 1956. Wow. 60,000. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's so many. So... Okay, here comes the gross warning. Okay, yeah, Let's gross warning. Let's talk about what actually happens in a lobotomy. Yeah, so... Or a leuctotomy. 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 Hakuna leuctotomy. It's going to get gross here, sisters. <laughs> yeah. So pull out your barf I'm, bag. I'm not going to try to get... I'm no, not going to get barf she's, bag she's gross. Not I'm not going to get barf she's, bag she's, gross. She's I will specifically warn you if it gets real bad. But, I mean, we're going to be talking about cutting into brains. So, general warning, I guess. So, before we go into that, let's talk first about the frontal lobes themselves, which are the target for a lobotomy. I'm just going to call them lobotomies. I'm not going to call them Yes, lobotomies. please do, because the other one's hard to say. It's a lo- You're doing a thing with the lobe. It's a lobotomy, okay? <laughs> so the, lo- the frontal lobes are considered where kind of the behavior and emotional control centers live, like the home of our personality. Our frontal lobes are vital, like very, very, I mean, every part of the brain's important. But the frontal lobes are, we've talked a lot about the frontal lobes in our show. <laughs> we've talked a lot about how you, your frontal lobe is not completely hooked up until you're <laughs> that's a good way to say it until you're like 25 yeah, right all of your circuits are hooked up <laughs> <laughs> all the wires yeah, right connected. around 25 and then so. these people go in and cut the wires yeah, what are you like, supposed to do oh my gosh so the frontal lobes are important for voluntary movement expressive language for managing higher level executive functions um, which basically includes like cognitive skills like planning organizing motivating initiating monitoring things self-regulating basically and basically being able to complete tasks to achieve a goal that's your executive functioning that's all up in the frontal lobe baby mm-hmm. so the people that had major depressive order obsessive and compulsive disorder schizophrenia the theory was that if you i guess separate the frontal lobe from the rest that Ugh. you would be able to i don't know I don't know, but that's what it was usually used to treat, and that's why the frontal lobe was focused on. So let's talk, I'm going to skip Burkhart, because I didn't find much about, like, the specifics. Like, they called it the surgical removal of tissue. Right. Is what was happening with I him. I think he must have just cracked it open and reached <laughs> in there and pulled it out. <laughs> with his little thingies? He's probably just like that doctor up the nose. or whatever who worked with Phineas, remember? Uh, oh, yeah. He just stuck just his fingers in there full. and it felt just, around, got a teacup. <laughs> Just poked his hand right in the hole. Yeah, and he could tell where the lobes were by feeling in there. He just stuck his finger up a nose and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sipsters, I'm so glad you can't see Anna's movement here. (laughs) I I actually stuck my finger high enough up my nose to go (laughs) to the bottom of 
I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Let's see if I can finish the rest of the episode. <laughs> Lobotomized let's myself. Just experiment here. Shall so we? let's hop to Moniz. Mon- how do you say it? Monez. Monez. Mone- ma. <laughs> Moniz. Yeah. Ma. Frankie like Moniz. Muniz. Schwa. You ever schwa's? Yes. I and she's like the word. Accent is on ma. <laughs> okay. Moniz. Moniz. Okay. Anyway. We're so money. Moniz. Money. <laughs> Antonio Money <laughs> lacked training in neurosurgery and his hands were crippled from gout. So he was not super in a good state to do some brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Please uh, don't let him do this brain surgery. So, so that's why Lima was, was brought was like, his, butt. his yeah. right-hand man. Because yeah, yeah. Lima was the one who was actually doing the surgeries. Right, right. So to do this, Lima would trephine into the side of the tref- It's called trephina- trepanation. Trepanation. I don't know how you say the trephine word by itself. That means cutting into the side of the skull. Stick it in there, yeah. But what, you do, what you would do is inject ethanol into the white matter of the prefrontal area. So their procedure actually included like adding something to the brain right. instead of just like severing connections or cutting pieces out. They right. actually like put ethanol into the brain to destroy the connecting fibers. Oh. So, <laughs> not a headache. <laughs> yeah, someone was, who struggles with headaches, I bet this, uh, yeah, you know this exactly how this one. feels. And doing this created what Muniz called a frontal barrier. And like I said, this was the point in history where trepanation was fairly common. So this was just an extension of that idea. And after the first one, he was like, yeah, cool. It worked. Great. <laughs> Everything went fine, everyone. <laughs> Uh, nothing to see here yeah it declared that the, the patient's depression was cured uh never actually let the patient out of the hospital so okay okay so uh they did this for seven more patients eight total got that kind where they injected ethanol in and then <laughs> they introduced a tool called the leucotome Ugh. So this is a, I don't know if I'll be able to describe this. Uh. It says it's a narrow shaft. You insert the shaft into the brain through the hole in the skull. And then there's a plunger on the back of the leucotome. So you push the plunger in and a little wire loop or like a metal strip is inserted. And then it like, woo, 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 rotates. (laughs) Slices. Little whirly gig up in your your brain matter. And it cuts out. Slicing and dicing. Slicing and dicing. A little chop, chop. Mm Mm-hmm. To sever those connections, and then you pull like the a plunger back brain out. Weed eater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well, I was trying to think. It's like those things where you—I think it's to like get cattle or something, where you like push the thing up, and a little wire loop extends, and then you can like pull the oh. thing back, and the loop gets smaller. That's kind of how I envision it, but I don't know if that's what it actually looks like. Oh, I think it's more like a weed eater like it chops like it has a little egg whisk on the end maybe <laughs> i don't know but it's gross either way so but, let's but just they, say it's gross they did six cuts like six lesions were cut into each lobe that's a lot that seems like a lot of cuts into the brain yeah that is a lot but if they were dissatisfied by the results which I'm not sure how low that bar was <laughs> Lima might perform several procedures and doing multiple lesions in both of the frontal lobes. Oh. So that's the other thing, that when they did this, they would do it on each side. They they wanted to, to get both so- like both hemispheres of the brain. So they would do cuts on both sides, both frontal lobes. Yikes. 
I'm going to hurl. Don't, don't hurl. There, there were crazy complications that came with this, too. Increased temperature, vomiting, bladder and bowel incontinence, diarrhea, and ocular affections such as ptosis and nystagmus, as well as psychological effects such as apathy, akinesia, uh-huh. lethargy, timing and local disorientation, kleptomania, oh and abnormal sensations of hunger. Oh, that's weird. Yikes, Aroni. But, but... Maniz was like, that'll pass. <laughs> It'll be we all fine. have days like that. Well, they're not sad anymore, guys. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. So they're a kleptomaniac. <laughs> so they're, they're stealing sad. your stuff, but they they're, don't care about it. They're stealing now. <laughs> they're not bummed about it, okay? They're happy about their diarrhea. Give me my Nobel Prize. <laughs> but within a year, uh, Maniz had published an article. I don't know if you talked about the Italian guy. Did you talk about the Italian guy? Within a year, so 1937, I think. The Italian guy. Had... <laughs> He has such a great Italian name. Okay, I'm sure I didn't have him. He published an article in Italy about the procedure, and the Italians just loved it. They, mm, chef's kiss, they loved this idea. (laughs) Especially this man, Amaro Fiamberti. No, I did not ever see that Fiamberti. You just made it up so you could say it. No, I didn't, but you do have to hold your hand like this. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Fiamberti was a medical director of a psychiatric institute in Varese, and he made some modifications, what, which actually became the first transorbital procedure. He oh, was the one yeah, yeah, yeah. that came up with accessing the frontal lobe through the eye sockets. Oh. Um, so his method was to puncture the thin... Oh, this is the part I can't take. Okay, mom just <laughs> almost leaned back far I'm enough to dump out now. of her chair. She like she's getting up. She's taking her headphones oh, off. She's walking away. The eyeball thing. I cannot take the eyeball. Thing. The eyeball. Th- we were talking before we started recording about yeah. hands stuff yeah. with hands. Yeah, eyeballs are, are worse. another one. Oh, eyeballs are worse. Way worse. In um, those horror movies, whenever in something's fairness, coming toward eyeballs. Ugh. Speaking of eyeballs, I went to an eye doctor's appointment, and while they were looking into my eye, he. He said there's a hair in your eye and i said okay oh, and i just started blinking a lot and he's like no no i'll get it oh. so he proceeded to pull a cat hair out of oh my, my eye God. with the tweezers oh, oh that's even worse than <laughs> top 10 scariest moments in my life let me say awful zero out of 10 yelp review for that doctor's place no it's fine he got oh. it he didn't I was like, well, can I just like try to get it out by myself? He's like, I don't want you scratching your eyeball. So let me use the tweezers instead. <laughs> oh, because the tweezers is much safer than your own finger. He's like, don't move your eye. I'm like, I'm trying, bud. <laughs> don't move your eyeball while I stick this tweezers in there. Oh, that's Why fun. are you flinching, coward? <laughs> Look right at me. Look right at me. You don't, baby. Don't move while I stick this tweezers in your eyeball. It's definitely exactly how it went. <laughs> so um, the, the, his method, like I said, was to, and in fairness, he didn't actually like hit the eyeball. Like there was no puncture. Okay, we're back to the, the eyeball now, right? We're not talking about the Oh, tweezers. yes. We're not talking about my experience. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking, we're talking about, about Fiamberti. <laughs> Okay, uh-huh. he was very, very qualified that to not to stick Fiam- the eyeballs. <laughs> Did not stick the eyeballs. He went up through the ah! eye socket in the orbital bone at the top of the socket. But he also used alcohol. He injected alcohol or formalin into the white matter of the front lobes. Oh, that's so bad. I know, it's it sucks. <laughs> it 
<laughs> hey, this sucks. Hey, sorry. Spooky. Woo. It's all spooky this episode. Um, but that's where Freeman also got a lot of his stuff. Mm. Um, so we talked, you talked about how the Second International Congress of Neurology was how Freeman met Maniz. Maniz. And called him sheer genius. Sheer he was fangirling over his, Maniz. His, oh my so gosh. Genius. I'm going to get a van and I'm going <laughs> to name it the Lobotomobile. <laughs> And I'm going to put a picture of Menas in the I, back window. Oh, my God. There's just one of those, like, um, big van murals. Yeah. And it's Menas on it. Oh. <laughs> like, one of those, like, oh. stoner van, like, yeah. wizard style. There's a dragon. <laughs> but he's doing a lobotomy. <laughs> so that's where Freeman and Watts. Did you talk about Watts? Anyway, Watts was the other guy. Yes. Freeman was one guy. Watts was the other guy. Mm-hmm. They adopted Lima and Moniz's surgical procedure and created the Freeman-Watts technique, which is the precision method. Eventually, I'm, Watts said, you're a Fruit Loop and left it. Exactly, which totally just... <laughs> which I understand. Weird that it took so long. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know why their, why their method was called the precision method. I don't know what made it more precise. But the point was that Freeman was upset because it still required trepanning. Triffening? I don't know. Cutting a hole in the skull. It still required that. So he was basically like mental institutes where this where this is actually needed are not going to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah, because you need to actually do brain surgery. Mm -hmm. So enter the work of Fimberti, where Freeman started looking at this and saying, "Aha! This is something that any old Joe can do." And any old Joe. (laughs) In 1980- in the back of the van, in, in the back of the van down by the river, and in 1945 he took an ice pick from his own kitchen and began testing the idea on grapefruit and cadavers. Unclear if this means the cadavers were in his kitchen. I don't know. Well, it sounds like if he took the the ice pick from his kitchen, I, I guess so. It was, literally, was an ice pick. It was it literally, literally an ice was. pick. An ice pick that anyone at the time would have had in their homes to break apart ice. Oh, my God. Because it was exactly what you needed. It was a little metal rod, and it had a handle, an ergonomic <laughs> handle for gripping. Oh, God. So let's talk about the transorbital lobotomy, because it's wild. So it involved... Oh, okay, this is going to get a little it in it. It gets gross. It gets so, so gross. So, It was so gross in that show. It was very... With the ratchet. The noises. Oh, my God. <laughs> There were some graphic uh, noises. Yes. Yeah. So the transorbital lobotomy involved lifting the upper eyelid, placing the point of the instrument shh, under shh, the eyelid. Shh. Sipsters, don't listen. Top of the eye socket. I'm going to play some music. Okay. <laughs> going to help. That's going to set the mood. So you put you put the pick at the top of the eye socket and you use a mallet to bonk it in about five centimeters or two inches into the frontal lobe so they would drive it into into the brain along the bridge of the like along the plane of the bridge of like parallel with the nose you know what i mean yeah <laughs> mom stick, is stick looking it. at me like this is the <laughs> worst thing that's ever happened stick to her up. yeah <laughs> um into the interhemispherical fissure. Sipsters, don't try this at home. Yeah, I, I know I'm describing this really well, so you could probably mimic it, but don't. Don't. I don't I don't think I have an ice pick. I don't think I could do this to someone if I wanted to. Not that I want to, but if I wanted to. I have one in my garage <laughs> if you need one. 
way I ever need to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's probably should be, you know, cleaned up a little. <laughs> Sanitize it at least a little. Pour some alcohol over it. Or some of this wine. That'll, some of this wine would definitely that kill the do it. <laughs> would really do it. This is gnarly head wine. It'll do gnarly it. Gnarly head wine will anesthetize and <laughs> so it goes five centimeters into the inner hemispherical fissure can you imagine like hitting something with the mallet knowing you could only let it go five whatever that's what that's what's crazy to me like because if you went bap and just <laughs> whoops okay if you really sweet there had to be some whoopses oh i the, think most of them were whoops oh my god <laughs> i think all of them by definition of what the procedure was <laughs> was a whoops so but that's the thing like and he talked about that on the show and i, I know it's a fictionalization or whatever but it is, it is graphic but he like it and all it takes is a simple very like he doesn't even say like very careful precise as far as i remember he's just like and they hit it bap <laughs> Okay. okay, I guess that's why you practice on grapefruit beforehand, so you know how much of a bap it takes to get to get five centimeters in. But you go five centimeters in, then you pivot forty degrees. Oh my god! So it cuts toward toward the nose, and then like to the opposite side of the head. Yeah, you basically ream it out. Yes. Then it was returned to the neutral position and sent a further two centimeters in. Before being pivoted around 28 degrees on each side to cut outwards and then and, inwards. And is everybody's brain exactly the same size and That's shape? That's a really good question. Because, you know, two centimeters in one person's brain. Especially, like, we, we've talked about, like, women and med, men brains. Yeah, and they did it on a lot of kids. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Jeez Louise. That's a really good point. This whole thing just gets worse it's and worse. It's bad. It's it's very bad. Um, this is spooktober at its worst. This is the scariest. So he performed the first one on a live patient in 46. Ooh. And uh, the simplicity of it did kind of say, okay, this this can be carried out in mental hospitals. This will work. Um, and this is where the using electrotherapy came right. in. As right. a way to anesthetize the patient. And that's why the Freeman and Watts partnership ended. Because Watts was disgusted by this. He was disgusted by turning the lobotomy from a surgical operation into a simple office procedure. Uh, he did not approve of that. So Because he was a surgeon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And also he maybe they were kind both of... surgeons, weren't they? What was what I was didn't Freeman? think Freeman was a surgeon. He was a neurologist. Mm. And yes, Watts was a neurosurgeon. He was a loony bird. Man. That's a technical term. <laughs> that's a clinical term that we use. <laughs> but that's uh those are those are the main <sighs> lobotomies that there were, the types. Okay. So going from this, I'll leave it up to you. Do you want me to talk about some notable lobotomies? That's actually the what I thought would be a good oh, way hey. to end this the session. Okay. This episode. <laughs> our this, session today. Our session today. Did you have some or do you want me to just go for I it? I just had one in particular. Oh. Yeah, I know who you want to talk about. Okay. She is high on the list. Can I can I start with it? Tag over. Yeah. Okay. So one of the most famous lobotomies, I would say, is uh, Rosemary Kennedy, mm-hmm. the sister of John F. Kennedy. She was considered to have been mentally retarded by the members of her family, but other people disputed that. And so some said she was fully functioning. She just wasn't as smart 
as some of the other Kennedys. And she was moody. She had mood swings. She was subject to violent mood swings. So I wonder if she was bipolar. Personality could be. But it was in 1941 when Rosemary was 23 that her father, Joseph Kennedy, was told by the doctors that a new procedure would help calm her mood swings that the family found difficult to handle. So father gave permission and it was performed actually by Freeman and Watts. Um, And after the surgery, Rosemary was reduced to an infantile mentality that left her incontinent and staring blankly at walls for hours. Her verbal skills were reduced to unintelligible babbling. In 1949, Rosemary moved to an institution and was visited on regular occasions by her sister, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, who became the founder of the Special Olympics. My cat made it upstairs. Hi, bunny man. (laughs) We didn't close the door, I guess. I guess not. (laughs) One of the things I thought was creepy, I mean, it's all creepy, but that dad took Rosemary to the doctor and... Like, just while they were there, it was like, okay, let's do this. Like, they oh, didn't like even, there wasn't like a thinking. They didn't even know. And they, mom didn't even know it was going to happen. Rosemary's mom didn't. Oh, my like, God. Like, she didn't give permission or didn't suggest. Well, in that, in that day and age, you didn't need the woman's permission to cut into your daughter's brain. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> accent. I thought you might go with a Kennedy accent. I, d- I can't do you a can't Kennedy do accent. <laughs> This is listed as an interesting fact on the list. I think it's sad. During the surgery, Rosemary had a mild tranquilizer but was awake. <gasps> Dr. Freeman asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer or sing God Bless America or Count Backwards. An estimate on how far to cut was based on how she responded. When she became incoherent, they stopped. stopped. <laughs> is that horrific or what? Hey, everyone. Spooktober. Woo! That is spooky. Oh. So that's one of the ones that I would say is the most in the public consciousness as as being like a famous lobotomy case. Right, right. Hmm. Should I talk about the first and last lobotomies that were done? Yes. Okay. Um, so the first lobotomy was to Alice Hood Hammett. It was in 1936. She was 63 at the time. It was done by Freeman and Watts. The doctor started the surgery by making three centimeter incisions and then using an auger. They made holes into the skull. It lasted about an hour. That's a long time to be cutting into someone's brain. Doesn't seem like that extensive of a procedure. I mean, I guess they made a lot of cuts. I guess that's the thing. Awful. Some months after surgery, Hammett suffered a convulsion likely related to the surgery, but she continued to live with reduced anxiety and stayed out of mental hospitals. Her husband thought she behaved more normally than ever before after the surgery and called the next five years the happiest of her life. Alice Hammett contracted pneumonia and died at age 68. Wow. Wow. That's like almost like a success. I know. That's actually one of the better outcomes that we've heard. The last one to be performed was Helen Mortensen in 1967. Freeman received a visit from Helen Mortensen, who was one of his first 10 transorbital patients in 1946. Wow. She suffered a relapse of her psychiatric symptoms in 1956, and Freeman gave her a second operation. After several more years of working productively, Mortensen wanted a third lobotomy. Oh my so god! She just came back from it lobotomy boosters. Back, it was. <laughs> yeah, she just went back to being how she was before. But actually, 
That makes sense. We talk about how the brain heals Exactly. The brain has neuroplasticity. It can literally physically regrow and like reform. So it was probably just fixing itself. And she's like, uh-uh. uh uh-uh, Cut it up. Cut that up. Um, God was like, I'm trying to heal you, lady. <laughs> so. Uh, I didn't like feeling that Exactly. Way. She's like, I don't want to be healed. I want to feel better. <laughs> uh, so at the third lobotomy, Freeman did the surgery and severed a blood vessel in her brain. Well, that's what you get. That'll that'll do it. She died three days later. The hospital yeah. then, sure, I shouldn't laugh, but I kind of, I'm laughing. The hospital revoked Freeman's surgical privileges, and he retired soon after. Oh. Yeah, I bet he did. Thank God. But did he park his lobotomobile? That's my question. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> My cat's in the room, and he's a, he's a very shy boy. And he's very lovable. He is very cozy. Very cuddly. Uh, the sister of Tennessee Williams got a lobotomy. Tennessee Williams is a really famous playwright. And Rose, um, his sister, the one that was lobotomized, was the inspiration for his plays Suddenly, Last Summer, and The Glass Menagerie. And um, oh. they were super close growing up. And so he really, really took the lobotomy to heart. It was a bilateral lobotomy. It was sanctioned by their mother. Um, but after the surgery, she lost so much of her personality that Tennessee went into this intense like guilt for not being able to stop it from oh. happening. So it really affected him. And it really put a block between him and his mother. Oh, you mentioned the youngest being 12 years old. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the 12-year-old case was Howard Dully. In 1960, Howard Dully was brought in for the procedure because his stepmother described him as unbelievably defiant, saying, among other things, he objects to going to bed and does a good deal of daydreaming. <gasps> stepmother brings the 12 year old in 12 he objects to going to bed and he daydreams oh my god are we kidding oh Oh, man they they gave him a lobotomy also in the ratchet show i think there there is a patient who is kind of intentionally an homage to this kid he's daydreamer and they give him a lobotomy that's right Mm -hmm. i remember that now yeah so the stepmother convinced her husband that it was the best thing for his son and then gave the doctors the approval. Oh, my God. Dolly took decades to recover from the surgery. He was institutionalized, incarcerated, and eventually homeless and an alcoholic. Oh. Eventually, Dolly sobered up and received a college degree and became a California state certified instructor for a school bus company in California. Good for him. Awesome job, Howard. Come back, kid. <laughs> and the last one I think I'll talk about is the first ice pick lobotomy oh gross sally ellen ionesco performed in 1946 also by freeman ionesco was 29 she was a housewife and a mother who is described as violently suicidal oh my um in his washington dc office freeman rendered ionesco unconscious through electroshock he then inserted the ice pick above her eyeball blah 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 knocked it around swooshed it around (laughs) (laughs) yada yada The family considered the operation a success and a blessed relief. She lost some memory function, but was relatively intact and led a fairly normal life. Um, She actually, she died in 2007. Wow. She was born in 1917. She had it done when she was almost 30. So she lived like 60 more years. And they like said it was a success. They said it was good. Wow. So there were some, like, we're, we're... we're ribbing on it quite a bit because it's an insane thing. Right. But there were some people who <laughs> found that it works. I don't know. That's that's why it, I guess, took off was because there were cases there were some where successes, it worked. Yeah. There were just a lot where yeah. it didn't. So 
Um, but yeah, the first transorbital lobotomy was actually a success. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm glad they don't do it anymore, though. You know, now that you say it. Because <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. Now I'm against lobotomies. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go on the record here <laughs> say that I am anti-lobotomy. I, I would not I know vote. it's a hot take. <laughs> I'm just not pro-lobotomy. I'm falling on the side of uh, we shouldn't do lobotomies. <laughs> You know, guys. I know I'm stepping out. Hate me all you want. Haters come at us. I just don't think lobotomy should happen. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Okay, that was a little spooky. That was kind of spooky. spooky. We're gonna have to come up with something even spookier for our next episode. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. You might have to do that because, you know, I don't like the spooky stuff like you do. We'll come up with some ideas. We'll come up with some ideas. Um, Could I thank the listeners? (gasps) Yes, please do that. I would like that very much. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sipsters, even while we talked about gross stuff. Thank you for (laughs) sticking around. Thank you for plugging your ears whenever you needed to, just taking your earbuds out, whatever you need to do. But thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for being patient while the world keeps us away from our microphones sometimes. (laughs) And sometimes when we're away from our microphones, be sure you listen to some of our older episodes. Oh, yeah. Oldies but goodies. Yeah, look back on our oldies but goodies. Hey, you can find us, Sipsters, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at Freudian Sips Pod. Um, as well as our site, of course, freudiansipspod.com. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us at freudiansipspod at gmail.com. And, of course, we're also on Patreon if you want to support our show. We're, yes, you're right, Freudian Sips Pod on there, too. Uh, <laughs> please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that anywhere that you are listening. We always love, love, love to hear from you, Sipsters. So let, and us, let us know. just like our lovely Flora, you can send us an email with a picture of your review and we will send you a sticker we will even send it if i have to buy a special overseas stamp guys yes flora tell all your friends yes in england tell all your cool english friends about <laughs> with all us. the cool accents <laughs> you guys are so much cooler than I us know. please I tell wish we could talk like please you tell them about us make us sound cool thanks for being with us sipsters our music is sweeter vermouth by kevin mcleod and it sounds, it sounds like, like this, this. The panic when the screensaver hit. <laughs> the deer in headlights our look. Music the is sc- that oh, our music shit. is something. Oh my god. Our music is <laughs> box fifth. <symphony. laughs> wow, that's a get. <laughs> <laughs>